Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The seven cardinal sins for mindset. Welcome back to Mindset Monday. I'm Gene Zanetti, your coast-to-coast mindset coach from Winning Mindset. wanted to bring to you today the seven cardinal sins of mindset. Now, we've all heard of the seven cardinal sins in general, right? Well, now we want to apply that to our mentality, to our mindset, to our mental toughness training. So let's go through them. Number one is indifference or apathy. In other words, athletes who just don't care that much. Now, there is a virtue called magnanimity. They don't talk about it a lot anymore, but you've probably heard the word before, magnanimous. It was a magnanimous act. Okay, so magnanimity is striving for excellence in all things, especially in great things. So that's a magnanimous person. The opposite of a magnanimous person who strives for excellence all the time is someone who is pusillanimous. Pusillanimity. Okay, so we kind of know what that word sounds like, and that's where it's from. And what, what does that mean? Someone who doesn't strive for excellence. Someone who's content to just be where they're at, to stay low. So we want to be magnanimous. We don't want pusillanimity. So that goes right along with being apathetic and being indifferent. That's just being soft in general. We just don't care. Our heart's not in it. And when it comes to something like a sport, if your heart's not in it, because it's not required, you don't have to play a sport. We say that all the time, and it's important to keep fresh in your mind. You don't have to do this. You should want to do it. If you don't want to do it, you should be doing something else. It's not saying you're always going to be having fun and it's always going to be exciting, but you should love the process and you should like getting better. You should like the practicing you're putting in. You should like the competitions. Okay, so we can't be apathetic. We can't not care. And especially young kids nowadays, you see that attitude like, whatever, so what, who cares? Like it's kind of almost cool to not care. It's not cool. That's soft. Like we said, that's pusillanimity. That's the opposite of magnanimity. Striving for excellence in all things, especially in great things. So that's a lesson that we should take for sports and for our whole life. We're always striving for excellence. Number two is stubbornness. So in other words, not being coachable. We're not, we're not open to critiques. Our co- Nowadays, another thing in our society, it's like athlete and coach. 
at the same level. No, 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 no. There's definitely a hierarchy. There's definitely a pecking order. It's always coach and then athlete. My coach in high school, my personal coach, Don Ernst, always used to say, I'm here and you're here. When I'm coaching you, I'm here and you're here. You, you do what I tell you to do. Off the mats, outside of practice, then we're friends. But on the mat, I'm here, you're here. There's definitely a hierarchy. There's def definitely a pecking order. We cannot be afraid of the word authority. Okay, nowadays we, we hear the word authority and right away we think someone being oppressed, someone being taken advantage of. That's not what authority is about. Authority is there to help the person, protect the person who's under the authority. Okay, so whereas of course we're not about abuse. The coach is here and the athlete's here. So as athletes, we need to maintain a mindset of learning, of striving to get better, a white belt mentality. I read that one of the great martial arts experts wanted to be buried in his white belt. And he was a whatever, fourth degree black belt or something like that. And they asked him why, you know, you're the grand master or whatever it was. And he said, because I got to this level by being a white belt, by having a learning mindset, by always trying to get better. So there's a rule in life. You're either growing or you're dying, right? A tree is either growing or it's dying. So is a business, so is an athlete. And it has everything to do with this question. Am I content with where I'm at or am I trying to get better? And if we're trying to get better, we have to be coachable. We have to be willing to hear critiques. We're going to hear criticism. And you should thank people. So a confident, here's the difference between a confident person and a cocky person. A confident person is thankful for feedback. A confident person is thankful when they get challenged, critiqued, criticized. Because the confident person knows this is an opportunity to learn. On the other hand, someone who's cocky hates being critiqued, hates being criticized, hates being told what to do. Because for those people, it's a direct challenge to their ego. So what happens? They might be talented and they might get to a certain level, but they'll never get to the next level. And that's what you're trying to do. All we're about, everyone has different potential. All we want here with Winning Mindset is to get you to your potential. And in order to do it, you have to be coachable. It's impossible to do without being coachable. So you don't want to be stubborn. You never want to start saying, I know best. Okay, of course, there's going to be things you learn. You're going to get smarter, but you have to maintain that humility. Okay, we don't know everything. And I've heard before from Louis Simmons over at Westside Barbell. He said, if you think you have all the answers, you need to start changing your questions. And it's very true. Number three, pride. As we know, pride is the root of all sin. Pride is the capital sin, even on the seven deadly sins. Well, it's also true when it comes to our mindset, directly related to what we said before, being humble. The opposite of pride is humility. We have to be humble. We have to learn from our mistakes. We have to understand that there's levels to the sport. There's levels to this, right? You hear a lot of top athletes say, there's levels to this. There are. So always trying to get better asking good questions, right? The opposite of pride, if we, want, if we want to overcome a vice, if we want to overcome a cardinal sin, what do we do? We go to the opposite, we go to the contra virtue. The opposite of the vice is the virtue. So as we said before in the beginning, the, op the opposite of indifference, apathy, pusillanimity is magnanimity, striving for excellence, right? So the opposite of pride is humility. So if you're a prideful person, when we all are to a certain extent, I read a great book, Humility of Heart. It's an excellent book. I strongly recommend it. It's a classic, Humility of Heart. Look it up. Read it. It really roots out all the little pieces of pride that are in us right down to the last drop. It's a great book, Humility of Heart. So make sure you get that book. Make sure you read it. The op so the opposite of pride is humility. That's where we got to approach this from. 
If we're humble, we're going to be thankful. Think about it. We're not going to be as nervous if we're humble because we're thankful to be there. It's an opportunity to compete. How many top athletes after the Olympics, after the Super Bowl, after the World Series, after the Stanley Cup, whatever the big competition, the U.S. Open, whatever it is, Wimbledon, you hear a similar thing. They're saying, I was thankful to compete. That's being humble. So let's make sure we have that attitude. Number four, the fourth uh, mindset cardinal sin is self-doubt. Okay, it's self-doubt, doubting that we're capable of great things. All right, so that goes along with that goes along with actually number five, and that's perfectionism. Okay, so I'm going to talk about those together. It's good that we it's good that we hit on both of those things together. So number four is self-doubt, and number five is perfectionism. So they're kind of grouped together. My thesis in college, I was very blessed to do a thesis on anxiety and perfectionism in sports. And we found that the athletes that were more perfectionistic, so they had everything had to be just right, they got more nervous and they did worse in competition, right? It's, it's kind of obvious when you think about it, but actually to have the results, to have the data to support that, it's great to see. So what we found, and this is how they're related, self-doubt and perfectionism. So self-doubt is actually, it's actually a subscale, it's a part of perfectionism. So perfectionism wasn't just used as a blanket term, okay? Perfectionism was broken down into six subcategories, and they were doubts about actions, concern over mistakes, organization, parental expectations, parental criticism, and organization, there's one more. I'm sure it'll come to me, but there were six of them, <laughs> okay? And, and obviously, some of them were helpful, some of them were harmful. So, so as an example, organization actually was related to good outcomes, but doubts about actions actually made you worse. So of those six different scales of perfectionism, some were helpful, some were harmful. And doubts about actions was a piece of perfectionism that clearly made us more nervous, and it hurt us in competition. Okay, so we have to be aware of that. So doubts about action, we're doubting ourselves, we're not gonna be as confident when we're performing, we're gonna be more nervous. So of course anything could happen. We could lose at any time, we could make mistakes, we can't have fear of losing or making mistakes. That's why to counteract self-doubt, we have to have the mindset principles that we live by when we compete. And our four mindset principles are, I'm thankful for the opportunity to compete, I'm aggressive and relentless, I have no fear of losing or making mistakes. That would speak straight to the doubt. I have no fear of losing or making mistakes. And number four is I never, ever give up. Those are our four mindset principles. So when we're saying them over and over and over, before and after every practice, we literally have our teams, before and after every mindset workshop that we do with them, they stand up and as a group, they say those four mindset principles out loud. And at the end of every mindset workshop, they go through them again. So that's at least two reps they have of going through all the mindset principles. We also tell the captains of their teams, make sure before every practice and after every practice, after every lift and before every lift, you gotta get the team on their feet and say the mindset principles out loud. So it brings, a, it brings about a culture change. Now everyone's on the same page and they're fighting for the same thing. It gives you a sense of purpose. And as I've said many times, your purpose is more important than your goal. Your purpose is more important than your goal then your goal, think about it when it comes to, let's say like the American Revolutionary War. The goal was to win the war. The purpose was freedom, was independence. So of course you have a goal to succeed, but what's your purpose? 
okay? Your purpose includes your principles, morals, values, all right? Those bigger questions. So when, you, when, the team is, when the team is united on shared principles, that creates a culture, and then we're not gonna doubt our actions as much because we live and die by those principles while we're competing. Okay, so that's how we overcome the doubt about actions. I will say something else about perfectionism. That's an important, it's just such an important topic. We do want to strive to be perfect. And what we mean by that, when we say strive to be perfect, it's building up virtues. We want to be perfect in the virtues to the best extent that we possibly can. Okay? Perfect, that's being perfect. Perfectionism is not that. Perfectionism is more striving to look perfect on the outside, right? So people judge me well. Okay, so you want to strive for perfection in the virtues. The virtues are, we know that the cardinal virtues, peanut butter and jelly, French toast. P, J, F, T. Prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. We want to strive for perfection in those virtues, right? That's, what, that's being perfect. Perfectionism is some of these other things we're talking about. Like, I can never make a mistake. I can never get, I can never lose. I never want to be laughed at. That's perfectionism. That's a bad thing. Okay, so we want to move away from that. So we have that right there. I, I can't, for the life, for whatever reason, I'm not thinking about what's the sixth category of perfectionism. I feel like it was something helpful too. I could always post that up with my thesis on there. So if you want to take a look at it, we could share that, we could share the, my my uh, master's degree thesis it was actually published in the international, the abstract was published in the International Journal of Wrestling Science. I didn't even realize that was out there, but it's crazy. Apparently they have a journal in wrestling that gives studies from all across the world of the best research possible. I hope other sports have that too. It's just a great thing because we're approaching it from a much more scientific and logical perspective. And that's what we got to do. We got to train very hard and we also have to train very smart. We do both. Okay, so that's perfectionism. Number six, big, uh, cardinal, cardinal sin of mindset is cautiousness. Competing too conservative, too, ten too tentative, hesitating. And a lot of times we see in practice, in, in our practices, we compete confidently. We go for it. We go all out. We take chances. And our, our mindset is, I have nothing to lose. And then we get into competitions, we tell ourselves the opposite. We say, this is it, now or never, do or die, make it or break it, there is no tomorrow, this is what counts, this is what I've been working for my whole life. And we found over and over again that for most people, most of the time, that attitude hurts. And the better attitude to have, the better mindset to go in, for most people, not everyone, but most athletes, is I've nothing to lose, this doesn't mean anything, just have fun, take chances, get after it, be aggressive. That's the opposite of that cautiousness attitude. So when coaches and parents ask me, and I've heard it so many times, how do I get my kid to, to take more chances in competition? Or how do, how do I get my team to take more chances? And I say over and over, here's the secret. You have to make the way you compete more important than the outcome. The way you compete has to be more important than the outcome. Go back to the principles that we just went through. I'm thankful for the opportunity to compete. I'm aggressive and relentless. I have no fear of losing or making mistakes. I never ever give up. That has to be more important to you than winning the competition. When those four principles, deep down inside, now it's easy to say it, 
but you have to get reps just like you have technical reps you do reps with your skills and your drills you get reps in the weight room you get reps in cardio when you're doing all those sprints you need to get mental reps sometimes your mouth needs to teach your heart but as you keep saying it out loud as a team you're hearing it you're seeing it you're saying it over and over and over you start to internalize it in your heart and that becomes more important to you than even winning the competition it's more important to you that you're aggressive and relentless it's more important to you that you compete without fear it's more important to you that you never ever give up when you have that attitude then you become a dangerous person in competition when that's more important to you than winning or even avoiding losing right some of us get motivated by winning we also get motivated by avoiding losing the greater motivator has to be competing by those principles that's when you're going to overcome the fear of losing that's when you're going to overcome that fear of making mistakes that's when you're going to stop being cautious and that's what we were talking about that was the that was the the sixth cardinal sin being overly cautious so when the way you compete becomes more important to you than winning or losing that's when you're going to overcome overcautiousness number 7 and the final mindset principle we have is overseriousness taking ourselves too serious How many times have we seen this? Have you ever tried joking around with a friend right before a competition? And what usually happens? They're stiff, they're tight, they're tense, they're taking things too literally. They're not able to joke around. They're not able to think outside of the box. See, normally when we're joking around with friends, we're having a good time. If we're in a good mood, this is our attention. Our attention is like not our attention. Our focus is like this. How have been so much our focus? Our mind is open. we're able to joke around we're able to make loose connections we're more flexible thinkers we're more it's easier for us to adapt okay that's what happens in our mind when we're in a good mood and i there's psychological studies that show this also so on tests like let's say if you're too nervous what's going to happen you're taking things very literal your 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 um focus goes from here to here your flexible thinking was like this your ability to adapt was out here now what happens we start getting nervous our attention goes like this How many times when we compete it feels like we're in this like zone. Okay? So we got to know how to make the zone work for us, not against us. That's topic of a later video, and we'll hit on that later, but for now we need to know especially in sports where we need to adapt, where there's varying circumstances, when our opponent does something different, we got to be able to think on our feet. We got to be able to adapt. We got to sometimes change the stra- our strategy. We need to make minor adjustments when we're out there competing. If your focus is like this, you will not be able to make those adjustments your vote your focus has to be here when i say focus you're focused on the task at hand but you have to have that ability your vision has to be like this and when you're in a good mood when you're positive when you're thankful when you're having fun that's your that's where you're going to be you're able to make those adjustments so on the studies we found, they found that i didn't find this it wasn't my my study people students did better on tests cuz think about math you're you're taking the test they give you a word problem it's it's it would be the same kind of way you do the normal math problems that you were given in this lesson but you have to usually apply that to a new circumstance right so you're usually it's usually application that they give us on a test they give you the common um type of question but you have to adapt you have to be able to modify it you have to be able to apply it to a new situation that's what it usually is in word problems in math um you can't do it as well so students do worse they found in foreign negotiations if both parties if both countries are in a good mood they're more likely to reach an agreement they're more likely to negotiate because they could see solutions that they wouldn't have seen if they get nervous and if they're not in a good mood 
Their attention goes like this. Their focus goes like this. They can't see outside of the box. In other words, they get like a mental block and they get stuck with their thinking. You could see this. I'm sure you've seen this with athletes. You could just see it in their eyes. They're right here. They're not able to see outside of the box. They can't make those little adjustments. Okay, this is how we fix that. So making sure that we're in a good mood. We're having fun. We're not taking things too serious. So one of the big mindset red flags that, that we've seen, when you see an athlete change their personality too much right before competition, that's a red flag. More likely than not, they're going to underperform. That's not everyone, but most people most of the time. I was like this. My college roommate was like this. Both of us, we like to joke around. We like to talk. We're, we're, we're friendly guys. We're real open. And before our wrestling matches, both of us, we'd get real serious. We'd throw our hood on. We wouldn't talk to anyone. We'd, you know, frowning, mean mugging it, right? We're, we're, we're mad. We're, we're getting ourselves in a different mentality. And I can tell you, both of us, until we both learn to overcome that and to stay the same with our personality, especially in high school, we were a lot better in practice than competition. And that's sad because we were good and even in competitions, but there was another level we could have got to. We could have gotten to a higher level. How many of us are like that? We know there's, we're, we're only in second or third gear right now. We know we have a gear four or five that we see in practice, but we're not seeing it in competition. A lot of times it's because we change our personality. So for most people, most of the time, get yourself, of course, get yourself ready before a competition during your, your warm up and your um, pre-competition routine which again is a topic of, that's another topic for a different video, but make sure you're staying true to who you are. Be yourself, listen to top performers. They say this after, top, after winning big competitions. I was just being me, just doing what I always do. It was another day in the office. That's what they say. They're not changing their personality. That's what you need to do. And when you're taking yourself too serious, it's, it's not gonna happen. Your focus, your attention, your ability to, to flexible thinking, uh, it's just going down to here. It's shrinking down. So we have to keep ourselves in a good mood. Simple tip you could do, we tell all of our athletes during your pre-competition routine, which means right before you go out there to compete, do something that makes you smile and laugh. So you're not taking yourself too serious because we know before competition, that's what we tend to do. And especially if you know that's true for you, you need to build in something that's the opposite. Just like we said, if you're struggling with a vice, you need to build, you need to work on the contra virtue, the opposite virtue of the vice. Well, the same thing, if you know you're going to be very nervous, if you know you're going to be overly serious, you've got to build in something to your pregame routine that's the opposite. So we call that an element of fun. Every athlete should have a built-in element of fun that you're doing right before you go out there and compete, whether it's telling a friend a joke, whether it's doing, and again, every sport, the parameters are a little different. Like before wrestling, you, you're, you're warming up before you go out there. A golfer, it's before, it's before putting maybe, or it's before, you know, taking another shot. Or a baseball player could be in between each pitch. A, a pitcher is, you know, in between each pitch. You have a pre-pitch routine. For a basketball player, maybe it's a pre-foul shot routine, right? So you gotta know. You gotta know what your element of fun is. It could be something small, even if it's just thinking about something, it's gotta be there. Ideally, it's something you're doing, but if it has to be something you're thinking about, that's fine too. Just build it in, make sure you have it, and that will help you not be overly serious when you compete. So there there are the seven cardinal sins of mindset in sports. Now, of course, there's a lot more, but these are a great thing to get started with. Make sure you work on each one. My recommendation, 
you, you're probably, even if we struggle with all seven of them, focus on the one or two that you could use the most improvement on. So out of all seven, maybe there, we could work on all of them probably. Focus on the one or two that you really struggle with. Work on building that opposite virtue, and that's how we'll improve. Little by little, inch by inch, it's a cinch. Yard by yard, might be hard. Mindset makes the difference. Make sure you stay with us next week. Mindset Monday. And that's a wrap for today's podcast. I'm Gene Zanetti from Wrestling Mindset. Make sure you check out our website, wrestlingmindset.com. Get our ebook. Make sure you get that ebook. Great information. Represents some of the best information that we have. Lessons that we've learned from some of the top wrestlers in the world. Lessons that we've learned from our own experience and the best that research can provide. Get the ebook, wrestlingmindset.com. Also, as an individual, make sure you personally sign up for the one on one free mindset consultation. The one on one free mindset consultation. Make sure you fill out the form and do that as soon as possible. The best results always come from one on one individual attention, whether it's strength training, whether it's technique, or whether it's mindset. One on one individual attention is always the best. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you join us again for our next podcast. Mindset makes the difference. Have a great day. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.